in anticipation of episode 21 on respiratory emergencies, I have with us Dr. John Foote, who's going to tell us about his best case ever when it comes to a patient who presents to the emergency department with dyspnea. The case that I'm going to present is um, maybe not as dramatic as some of the other cases that are presented on the best cases ever, but this is certainly my most memorable respiratory case. I was working in our department in the RAS area, which is for the less acutely ill-appearing patients. I was asked to see a 44-year-old professor from a local university who'd come in complaining of increasing exertional shortness of breath over the ensuing three weeks. Now, he was triaged to this this, um, less acute area of the emergency department because the triage vital signs were very unremarkable. The saturation on room air was 97%. Respiratory rate. I'm not sure if it was actually measured at the triage as it was 20. I and I and I did look, and I would confess that I didn't measure it myself, but it did not appear to be elevated. His heart rate, his pulse was 54 and regular, and his blood pressure was in the normal range. I was on no medications. Was a non-smoker. He did not look pale, and he was came in. He walked in with his laptop and all of his research, looking very comfortable. And I think the feeling of the people I was working with and the nurses in the area were that this guy is just anxious about his research and that there's nothing terribly wrong. And I went a bit with that bias myself. Prior to me seeing him, um, the nurses hadn't done blood work, but they did do an ECG. The ECG showed sinus rhythm, with the, as again, and the heart rate was in the 50s. And the, the only abnormality I could see, which I initially thought they were just non-specific T-wave changes, if you look a bit more closely, they were actually inverted T waves in leads V2 and 3. There was nothing to find on the physical exam that was significant. He had no leg swelling. He had a clear chest. There was no signs of any pericardial effusion. His JVP were normal. He was speaking full sentences. This gentleman, this professor, was a high-caliber endurance athlete who was a marathoner who was finding that over the ensuing weeks that he was having more and more trouble his usual training for the upcoming marathon that he was only able to do now just a few kilometers of a run as opposed to his usual 10 plus k runs he did mention that four years prior when he was living in ottawa he had an almost identical presentation and was sent to see several people including a cardiologist who said that he may have a patent foramen ovale and um, but that his bubble test was okay and that there was nothing wrong with him and apparently the the symptoms resolved on their own over the ensuing two weeks. So I was obviously not initially very impressed with this gentleman. He looked completely well, but I did do a chest x-ray. and The chest x-ray was unremarkable. Um, I did do some routine blood work, and because of the T waves that were a bit abnormal in an otherwise healthy guy, I did do a troponin. The hemoglobin came back normal in the 150s range his white count was normal the troponin was however in the abnormal range not in the acute mi range we are using the the very sensitive super sensitive troponins now so his level was at a 54 range so this was not entirely benign but not it's always a clinical context situation i didn't know quite what to make of this i went back and asked about ischemic symptoms uh, there were no, no, no family history of any kind of ischemic heart problems. He had none of the classic risk factors for that. I thought, well, maybe this is an angina equivalent. Maybe he's, he's you know, unstable angina. So I referred him to the cardiology resident. I saw the guy begrudgingly. He actually admitted the guy. And the next morning on early, early rounds, 
the attending cardiologist came by and saw him and um, I was coming back from my next shift the next morning and um, I spoke to her later. I found out that this cardiologist, upon hearing the story and seeing the ECG, had sent him for a CTA for looking for a PE and he had massive bilateral PEs. And so he was heparinized and admitted he was never given thrombolytics. He was hospitalized based on the radiographic features on this, uh, but he probably could have been treated as an outpatient, was heparinized and um, went on to a, a full recovery. He had later tested positive for factor V Leiden. So when I, later on, when I caught up with the cardiologist, I asked her what made her so suspicious and what made her order the CT chest. I was puzzled because this person had failed the PERC rule. He had a normal heart rate. He had none of the Wales criteria. He had no signs of a DVT. And her answer, I wish I could give you a more, a more satisfying answer, but she said that her house painter five years ago had the exact same story and the exact same ECG, and she missed it too. And um, it was just in, in follow-up and an echo that she, she picked up that he had RV dilatation and he went on to get a CT, so it was pattern recognition. There are a few teaching points from this. One is that the PERC rule, it's a guideline to be used when there's low gestalt, and that patient history... Um, really does trump. And then, uh, even though this gentleman had normal vitals and a normal exam, it was quite quite significant that I had no explanation for why this guy could only run run one or two kilometers when he was normally a well trained athlete. I had no no good explanation for this at all. And the flip T and the troponin, if you added all the flip T's and the septal septal leads and the the false positive troponin, all added up to a massive PE. And you know, in preparing for this emergency medicine cases. I look back and say, of course it was a P, how could I have missed it? But, you know, sometimes people do present atypically, and sometimes your guidelines can let you down. And uh, I would also say that exertional dyspnea, when it's reproducible, um, I always have respect for. We're going to get into this in the episode, but can you just tell us a little bit about what on the ECG made the cardiologist suspicious that it might be a PE? Based on, you know, Pioped and my classic teaching that the, the 90% of proven PEs have a tachycardia, a sinus tachycardia, this guy was obviously in the 10%. So I was, I was probably overly reliant on tachycardia as being a sign for PE, where this guy, you know, who had obviously a very well-trained heart, probably is not a reliable um, thing to be using in certain contexts, and especially in maybe in a well-trained athlete or somebody who's on a nodal blocking agent. The, the ECG features that we are all classically taught, like the S1Q3, again, I, I think is neither specific or sensitive for this, for, this, for this diagnosis of PE. But I think that the flip T's in the septal lead, in, in, in the right context, um, when there's really no other signs of ischemia and there's, there's, this guy shouldn't have an abnormal ECG to start with, this young, otherwise healthy person should start to make you wonder if PE could be in the could be a possibility, and that's certainly what this was in this case, and that's what the cardiologist who who saw this patient eventually it was just pattern recognition. My understanding from the recent article is that if you have flip T's in those septal leads and in the inferior leads together, that that's right. actually highly specific think, for PE. Yes, and this guy didn't have flipped T's in the inferior leads; they were flattened, mm-hmm. so they were not they were not tall; they were just flat. They were almost isoelectric. Right. Wow, tough case. It was a tough case. It was very humble for somebody who thinks that we sometimes over, you know, we work up PEs probably when we shouldn't. And, um, you know, I, did, I didn't specifically order a D-dimer even on this guy because I'm well aware of the, the limitations of the D-dimer, but I just wasn't paying enough attention to the, and respecting the history 
I'm very traditional dysmian. I didn't uh, wasn't as up on the the newer ECG manifestations of PE that have been reported lately.